Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network. It is Friday, October 6th. Look at this. We're into Q4 already. Oh, my goodness. It's time to be serious about achieving your goals for the end of the year and setting up your next year, 2024, for real success. Uh, I am a sales coach and trainer. I work with both individuals and organizations internationally to help them do one thing and one thing only, get measurable and sustainable sales increases. And I founded the Sales Pro Network three years ago to elevate the profession of sales, to be a place where salespeople can congregate, network with each other, get advice and coaching from fantastic experts. And if you've been with us before, you know that every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, we either do a live training or a live interview with somebody who can add value to the profession of sales. And once again, my friends, today is no exception. If you're watching us live, please say hello in the comments. If you're watching us live on Facebook and have not connected your account to StreamYard, when you say hello, it's just gonna say Facebook user. So please include your name. If you're watching us on the replay, please put replay in the comments. And finally, if you have any questions for today's guest, please put those in the comments during the show and I will absolutely pass them on to her. And with that, it's my pleasure to introduce you to today's guest. She's an educator, a speaker, and an author, and she is a mindfulness expert. Please welcome my new friend, Lainey Grisanovich. Good morning, Lainey. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you for the introduction. It's nice my to pleasure. Here. I'm really excited to be talking to you today because mindfulness is something near and dear to my heart, and it should be to everyone's, I think. Uh, could you maybe just give us, before we get into the million questions that I have for you about mindfulness and presence, um, give us a two-minute version of your background and what brought you up to this point. Well, I've been practicing mindfulness since I'm a little girl. I come from an alternative, holistic family of entrepreneurs. So at the time I was eight, I was doing yoga with my mom and meditating with my uncle and doing uh, natural healings um, without using, you know, to disappear pain without medication um, by using mindfulness and focusing. And I was also at 10 years old um, selling uh, to my parents had a pop up uh, toy store and I was selling um, in one Christmas to, you know, on Michigan Avenue to, you know, make some make some quick money and in transition. So we are a family of healers and mindfulness practitioners and salespeople. And it's a very interesting intersection. Wow. Love that. So. I, I do have you know questions in an order that I want to ask them, but you just brought up something that I find fascinating, uh, and, and I want to explore that. Uh, you said you're using mindfulness to avoid pain or to not be in pain. Uh, I I love that. Uh, I've gone through a lot of personal development programs, and one of the things I've discovered is that if you wake up and get out of bed and stub your toe, you can go, "Oh my God, I'm in such pain!" And you know, very shortly, you're in real pain. Uh, and I learned that when you stub your toe, you can go, oh, okay, I stubbed my toe, I'm actually fine. And for some reason, the pain's not there. Uh, I had gum surgery uh, a week ago yesterday, and I had this expectation that, oh boy, gum surgery, I mean, they're gonna cut open my gum and do all kinds of drilling and blah, blah, blah. I'm probably gonna be in a lot of pain, but just before the procedure, I was going, actually, this is gonna work out great, and I'm gonna be fine. And unbelievably, I don't know whether it's my mind or these incredible periodontists, but I've had no pain during the surgery, no pain afterwards. So can you tell us a little bit about the relationship to pain and our mind? Yeah, it's, it's a strong one and it's a real one. And what you focus on gets bigger. So where you put your attention is where, um, what grows for you, you know? So if you're focused on um, the future, like, ooh, I'm really worried about some impending pain or event, um, it's going to get bigger just in, in that, having your consciousness there, right? If you're in the present moment and you're really able to like be with, like like you said, the example, I stubbed my toe and, you know, I with mindfulness, you check in. There's a level of curiosity. So, wow, how's that feeling? You know, I'm not saying that there's not gonna be any pain or suffering in our lives because we're human. So we're gonna encounter some challenges and pain and suffering. But when you're able to um, be with it in the present moment, um, you often sometimes just putting your awareness there allows it to settle because there is a phenomenon in science that two things can't occupy the same space at the same time. So if you have your awareness into your stub toe and you're really able to go inward and like with a sense of curiosity, explore that pain. So how big is it? Where exactly is it? 
if it if I were to give it a color, what color would it be? If I were to give it, um, if it could hold water, how much water could it hold? And you're able to put your awareness, your consciousness right into that area of that needs attention. And two things can occupy the same space at the same time. So the pain begins to dissipate. Hmm. And you mentioned that you started this practice at like eight or nine years old. And I know that um, as a parent, I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody else. You know, when a child, your child gets hurt, uh, the natural tendency, at least for me, was, oh, no, you're OK. And you try and stop them from crying. So you know, uh, how important is it to let them feel their feelings and be in that pain as opposed to trying to reprogram uh, uh, or, or help them through it? Oh, that's such a deep question. And there's, you know, there's certainly something to be said about positive mindset, but <clears throat> that's not what mindfulness is, right? Mindfulness is more of that feel your feelings, be with it when you're with your feelings um, and you're out of your, your head and into your body. Um, it's usually not as big and bad as the mind projects it to be, you know, the mind, it's like this constant, um, noise. There's a, a low level chaos that, that we have with when our mind is running. It's running previous tapes from our childhood and our fears, and it's constantly running. And mindfulness allows you to be with those thoughts, but actually turn the volume down. So they're not so intense. So, you know, when your kid gets hurt and you say, oh, you're fine. Um, it, it might be like a mindfulness practice would be like, let's take a deep breath, right? And then you're, you're in pain and you're taking a deep breath and physiologically, there's so much shift that happens from one deep breath on all of the systems slowing down and that fight or flight response and that, that the, the heart rate and, you know, that everything gets turned down a notch, even the mind running, right? Like, oh, I'm good. I'm so hurt. This is awful. And you just take that one deep breath. So there's a lot of wisdom when parents say, take a deep breath. <laughs> and if we could carry that over into, you know, every moment or every interaction, it turns that chaotic volume of the mind down. And it really makes it you uncover what's really so. Maybe mm. you're really in a lot of pain and you need to go to the hospital. Right? That happens. Maybe it was really scary. And it reminded you of something else or you're, you got in the future and we're thinking, I might need to go to the hospital, but you don't. So when you're, when you're able to like let go of your past fears or any anxiety about the future and arrive in the moment, you're much more equipped to um, make, make a, a choice and take care of yourself from that space or take care of a loved one or a colleague. You know, any relationship is going to be enhanced, whether it's the one with yourself or your children or your work people, um, if you're able to be in that moment, be with your feelings and um, respond to them. Mm. Uh, good morning, Bruce Kasserman. Good to see you here with us today. Uh, I, I, you just said, you know, you talked about breath and breathing. And um, what is it about breath that's so important? Uh, I, I have I have three kids and one of them um Let's say she she tends to be difficult uh, or challenging at times, and she would often uh, what I call freak out and just get out of control. And she gets into this, you know, kind of a robotic. You know, she can't stop freaking out. And um, the only way I found to actually get her back to a place where she was somewhat okay was, honey, let's do some deep breathing together. So now let's do it together. Breathe in deeply and hold it, and then breathe out. So what is it about breath that's that's so calming and centering and important. I mean, it's such a, we're doing it all the time naturally, but we're not focused on it. So what is it about that focused breathing that really helps us? Well, physiologically, when you focus on the breath, it gives you choice on how it, to have control over your breath. So the breaths we take when we're not focused on them might be very shallow or very rapid when you're you know, anxious, you're having like fast, shallow breathing. When you're conscious of your breath, you have the choice to change it. You can watch it. So one part of mindfulness would be to be an observer. Like I, I'm noticing my breath is really choppy and shallow and I'm feeling really anxious, right? And then you're like, but now I have a choice. 
I'm going to take a deep breath. And physiologically, there is so much that goes on from a deep breath. So when you lengthen out your inhalation and you lengthen out your exhalation, you're getting more oxygen, right? The breath is the only thing that we do every second of every day, like you said, without thinking about it. When you think about it, it becomes a very powerful tool. It's the life force that runs through us. And when you have blocked, short, um, not complete breath, you feel um, more anxious, your energy is blocked, you're more agitated. One deep breath soothes the nervous system. You know, multiple deep breaths is better, but if you only have time for one and you know, you'll, you can notice the benefit right now. So let's just take one together, Jeff, and anyone in the audience, you know, breathe in deeply from your nose, feel your belly fill like a balloon, feel your rib cage fill, your chest expand, and then blow it out slowly. Emptying all the way out. The slower your exhalation, the more those systems relax. So when you're breathing in, you're getting more oxygen, right? It helps us to think more clearly. When you're breathing out, it helps us to relax and all systems soothe. So one powerful breath and you feel the impact immediately. It's the greatest tool we have. It's always with us. You just need to focus on it. And um, it's powerful to change it and deepen it. It's also powerful just to watch it. Like, where is it going? Where isn't it going? You know, because um, when we talk about that, that like chaotic brain, that monkey mind, when you focus on the breath, it brings it down to one pointed concentration. And that one pointed concentration is a very grounding, soothing place to be. Right. If you're having, obviously, a thousand thoughts, <laughs> 10 thoughts at the same time, you know, you're like in this meeting and you're thinking about your grocery list and what you need to pick up the kids and, um, you know, who you're meeting after work, um, you're going to be way more stressed out. Right. If you take one deep grounding breath, your uh, those thoughts and you're focusing on your breath, right? I'm focusing on the inhalation and the exhalation. I'm focusing on my breath. Um, those other thoughts, you turn the volume down and you get calmer and clearer. And, and Lainey, does that also go back to what you said a moment ago, which is you know, the brain can only think of one thing at a time. So if you're focusing on your actual breath, you're not thinking about whatever it was that upset you? Yeah, the, the volume goes down. They're not as profound. They might be there in the background and they might need some attention. You know, mindfulness, like I started saying in the beginning, it's not about just being positive. A lot of people think it is. You know, if I give most people the option, um, is it better to be calm or anxious? 99.9% okay, .9 of people are going to say calm. <laughs> but when we're practicing mindfulness, um, is it better to be calm or anxious? It's better to know where you're at. If I'm anxious, this is a powerful tool for me because I'm having this curiosity about myself. When you have that curiosity, the foundation of mindfulness is this curious mindset. So, ooh, I'm really anxious. I, how do I know? I feel my stomach tight. I'm sweating, right? I feel my heart racing. Like, ooh, I feel anxious. The next foundation of mindfulness is compassion. So the definition of compassion is like um, suffer together. So you have this concern for yourself or for anyone else that you're having your awareness about, this curiosity. So just say it's about yourself. I'm having a curiosity. I'm feeling really anxious. Um, now I, I, I have compassion. I'm concerned. Why am I anxious? Is, is there something I need to do? Is there something going on that needs my attention, right? And then you have this closeness. So you're building relationship, whether it's with yourself, your kids, your colleagues. So those are the three C's of mindfulness for me. You have this curiosity, you have a compassion, and then a closeness. And in sales, the closeness, close and close are the same word. So when you're close and you're in a relationship, you can feel close, you can close sales. So. I gotcha. And uh, my dear friend, uh, Joe Applebaum says, this also helps you be a better salesperson. By the way, Joe is going to be uh, joining us, I think two weeks from Monday for uh, an hour just on AI and sales. But uh, 
when did you start selling with mindfulness and intention? So, like I said, I was inherently taught to be mindful um, and practice mindfulness at a very young age. It was something we did as a family. We would have family meetings and talk about our feelings, you know, and we would take deep breaths and we would um, physically support each other. I know it's very unconventional, but I'm, it, I'm, I'm laughing because, you know, we had beatings and, and yelling in my family. There, there were no <laughs> meetings about let's be mindful. <laughs> And in those mindfulness meetings, those family meetings, we would have like, um, I remember physical support. I was pregnant with my um, first child and we were having a family meeting and it was heated. There was a lot of emotion and we were curious and compassionate. We were discovering these uh, push down feelings and we were talking about them. And I was getting um, really worked up. I was feeling myself very tense and my mom um, being intuitive and very connected to me and very compassionate, picked up on it. And she said to my husband, like, why don't you just go sit behind her and like put your hands on her back and like physically support her, you know? And he physically supported me. And that, that, uh, human touch, that, that, that feeling of somebody actually having your back is really, um, grounding, you know, and you feel, that closeness, you feel that connection. And again, it kind of down, turns the volume down of all of the noise and the fears and the intensity. Mm, gotcha. So um, I'd say many, well, it, 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 or at least most people consider their income and their job title to be a good measure of their success. But you say there, there are, there's a better measure. What, what are some of the factors that you believe make someone successful? Your peace of mind, your peace of mind. If, if you're living um, in your mind and you're, you're having those monkey mind, we call it in yoga, where the thoughts are just, you know, jumping around like an untamed being from one thing to the other. And you're in the past and you're in the future and you're with your worries and your fears and, and you're missing out on this present moment and the beauty in this present moment. So there can be a lot of truths in one moment and the truth that you choose to focus on is your reality you know in this moment are we having you know um environmental concerns are we having political upheaval you know yes those things are true right could you be um having a deal blow up yeah could you be having family uh, um problems sure all of these things are true but right now in this moment um i'm having a beautiful conversation with, with uh, you know, I'm engaged with another soul and um, maybe having the ability to impact your life or any of the listeners' lives, right? I'm looking right beyond my computer screen to the wall behind me and I see the leaves, the shadow of the leaves because the sun is shining and the leaves are dancing on the wall. This is my reality right now. You know, I can feel myself sitting on this chair grounded, how my body feels to be anchored. I can feel like the, the pull of gravity holding me right here when I focus on it. If you're not focusing on it, you're gonna miss it. It's pretty subtle, <laughs> but it's with us all the time. So um, in this moment, I'm choosing to focus on um, what's bringing me peace instead of spiraling into, you know, ruminating in what's going to bring me um, angst. So that's where mindfulness can really be important because there are two completely true realities right now. So that's where mindset becomes a very powerful tool. Which, which reality am I gonna put my attention to? And which reality needs my attention? Maybe you know, you're a scientist and you're gonna solve um, the, the global crisis we're in. Well, put your attention there, please. <laughs> For me, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with the global crisis where I'm going to recycle and not use my plastic water bottles. You know, but I, I mean, but that's all I can do. So I don't want to spend a lot of my focus and time and energy there. I'm going to spend my focus and time and energy where I can have impact and elevate myself and to bring it full circle, Jeff, have that peace of mind. Yeah, this is a timely conversation because I... I... I want to say I struggle with it, but it's a constant conversation uh, because you, you mentioned politics. You know, the political situation here in America is kind of nuts for the last several years. And I, I go back and forth between 
I, I got to stay informed because things are crazy. But the things that I hear every day are insane. So how do you how do you balance the need, at least my need to stay informed and aware of the situation without driving myself nuts? It, it's such a great question. And when I first started practicing mindfulness, um, I thought, or, or as an adult, when I became aware of, you know, the bigger world problems, um, I found it best to, um, now with, with hindsight, I would say, put my head in the sand. Like it, like for me, I, I, I needed a news break. I would notice that when I watched the news, I would get a lot of anxiety. I would feel very helpless. I would feel depressed, anxious, right? There was like a lot going on. And so I just took a news break. And I recommend that if you notice that it's like really escalating you and you're losing that peace of mind and the ability to stay present and, um, connected to your highest best self, then take a news break. But now I have found there are two realities going on, right? And I need to be informed. So I might watch two minutes of CNN after dinner. And, you know, my husband, he, he watches news a lot. He will tell me the highlights if I miss anything. You know, if there is something that is like really important that um, I should put my attention to, he'll let me know, right? And the conversations that I have in the workplace when um, I'm bumping into people, those topics are gonna come up and I wanna be informed and I wanna be able to address it in a way um, that has some kind of impact. But I don't want to, you know, I, I, you have to be very intentional about what you're filling your mind with. And you have to be aware enough to know what you're filling your mind with the impact it has on you. So if you're a person who needs to watch the news because you need that information and you're going to thrive with that information, like I said, you're going to be a problem solver. You're going to be able to produce change. Maybe you're going to, you know, go out and get signatures to make, you know, the policy change. Um, then you should do that. If you notice that, you know, watching news for more than 10 minutes <laughs> makes you anxious and stressed out and depressed, um, Take care of yourself. Give yourself limits. Put some boundaries around what you're filling your mind with. Yeah, uh, I'm probably not going to be changing the world. Uh, uh, mostly I just uh, stare at the TV and scream. So that's <laughs> where that curiosity and that compassion piece comes in. You know, why, why are you doing that? You know, and like, like, like a true friend, though, not like you're judging yourself. But what is because you can uncover a deeper need. Like, what is it that you really um, need from this time to receive the news? And is this the best way for you to receive it? So that's a very nice gift uh, to give yourself is to treat yourself like a best friend. So you're the, you know, you, your breath is with you every second of every day. You're the only person who's with you every second of every day for every minute of your entire life. Like other people come and go, no matter how important they are, nobody's with you. 24 seven, right? So being with yourself, um, it's a little shift in mindset, but think about yourself as your own best friend. So if I'm my own best friend, um, I'm really curious. Why, why am I watching news for 10 minutes a day? Is, is that getting me what I need? Do I need something different? Right. And, and whatever you uncover, not being judgmental about it. It's like, it's, it's okay. This is I, this is how I'm wired and it's OK. This is what I need, you know, and take care of yourself. I'll tell you what I need. I need the days when I didn't pay attention to politics because nothing crazy was happening every five minutes. But let's move on. We've got a question from one of the, the viewers. I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Aryan says how to deal with instant questioning about self-reflection. Sometimes I feel I'm overthinking and sometimes it feels like I'm in deep thinking about certain things in life. Where do I stop? Oh, I can relate to that. Um, when you start practicing mindfulness, I feel like oh, the light goes on. It's such a gift. You're like, oh, I love being able to get out of my head and into my body and, and feeling myself more grounded and more centered. And then there becomes a point for me, Ariane, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, where um, 
I started questioning it. I would go to my my teachers and I would say like, like everything seems so intense. You know, like when I sit down to meditate, I like, I feel every sensation in my body and they're not all good, right? Like I got this pain in my neck and I'm focused on this pain in my neck. So there is a balance as to how, you know, when you're on a path and it's taking you down the rabbit hole or it becomes like really intense, um, go to your breath. The breath is always the anchor that will bring you back to that peace of mind, to the present moment, um, because those are just thoughts. You know, we and we are not our bodies. So when my mind is obsessing about, you know, the aches and pains in my body, or when I'm obsessing about the political environment or uh, an interaction I'm going to have, that 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 is not my true essence. My true essence is my breath. You know, breath in many languages translates to spirit. So your breath is your spirit. And when you connect to your breath, um, it's always in the present moment. It brings your mind and body. It's the link between your mind and body. So if you, you're feeling your thoughts spiral or you're feeling uh, uncomfortable in your physical body, Going to the breath kind of creates that um, bridge and that ease between the mind and body. Mm, love that. And um, what is presence? Presence is being here right now. Be here now. <laughs> that is presence. When you have presence, um, you're. It's almost impossible to be anxious or depressed because you know they. The studies say that when you're really focused on what's coming is when anxiety happens, right? It's like this, this really uh, deep fear of what's to come is anxiety, right? And I, I, I can't control what's coming and, and I'm worried about it. And that produces anxiety, depression, you know, ruminating on what happened in the past and what I could do different. And, um, you know, maybe grieving is a, is a big source of depression. Um, so presence is being in this moment. In this moment, um, again, there's dual awareness. But if you're focused on your breath, if you're focused on um, the anchoring of your body, that's very grounding practice, you know, just feeling your feet on whatever surface they're touching. Maybe it's the floor. Maybe it's your shoes. Maybe I'm sitting cross-legged. I feel my feet on my chair. <laughs> so, Or maybe feeling your seat. What What is it? connected to. Maybe you're standing, maybe you feel the air behind you, maybe you feel a seat under you. This presence is, is being here now and connecting to that present moment. And it's the greatest gift you have to Was yourself. Ron Dossi said that, be here now? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so why is presence such a valuable sales tool? Okay. If you're in your mind, <laughs> it's very limiting, right? You're, you're like having a whole different conversation. <laughs> that, that, that volume is turned up and it's running and you're not um, able to really be, um, all anybody wants is to be seen and heard. If you're in your mind, you're missing a lot of, of the nuances, the verbal and nonverbal that are coming at you, right? So when you're present, in your sales process, um, you're really able to get the the nuances that maybe aren't talked about. You know, if you and so you're curious about it. So I, I noticed that you just looked down or you you checked your watch, right? So you're curious about it. I'm not judging you, right? I, I'm just curious. Um, have I lost you? <laughs> is that is this not landing for you? Or um, are, are we running up to time? Are you anxious that you know? we're gonna go over and you have another meeting, right? So being curious, if I'm really present, I'm gonna pick up on those nuances that you would miss. Like if I'm in my head and like, oh, I have to close the sale. I have to, you know, my, my agenda is this. And you're missing what your um, prospects agenda is. So when you're present in the sales process, um, you're really building a much stronger relationship and you're much more responsive to your prospects needs and their objectives and you're able to pivot 
like off of like, oh, I kind of thought we were going to go in this direction. Well, that's not the direction you're going. But, you know, if you're really present, um, you need to be in the direction that pops up and it presents itself. And that's a gift. When you do that, what happens? You're building these trusted relationships. You're, you're, the prospect is feeling heard. They're feeling not judged. They're able to discuss um, their pain points, maybe wh where they're interested and maybe where they're not, you know, what's, what's getting in their way. And you're able to pivot and be, be with what's real, what's up for them and respond in um, hopefully a, a calmer, clearer, more peaceful way. You know, you're not going to get, um, you're not going to get off balance because somebody doesn't like what you said or what your product is or what your service is. You're going to yeah. be able to hear it and maybe, you know, be a better problem solver, come up with a solution. Yeah. And that's right in line with what I teach salespeople, which is that sales is a conversation or a series of conversations leading to help the other person choose to do business with you. And if you're not present in a conversation, if you're checking your watch, if you're thinking about how stupid is this person or what what, what did they just say to me, instead of actually being present in the moment, uh, th then you're going to miss something. And not only will you, will you possibly miss something, the other person does know it or at least feel it. Like you said, Jeff, you look down. I'm actually not. Well, I am paying attention to the time because we only have an hour. But really, I was looking at my notes because I've got three pages of questions for you. And my thought was, wow, this is a fascinating conversation. I'm no way getting to all of these. Which question do I really want to ask Lainey? But every every moment that you're focused on that other thing, like which question should I ask Lainey, I can't be there listening to you. And it's the same thing uh, when I talk, talk to salespeople about taking notes. You should take notes during a sales conversation, but every moment that you're taking notes, you're missing the conversation. It's, you can't possibly focus on two things fully at the same time. So. Uh, uh, I can see where that's a great sales tool when you're on a sales call. How about when you're preparing for a sales call? Where does mindfulness and presence come into that? Yeah, so um, getting a getting a read on where you're at. Like you know, I'm I'm really anxious. I'm really excited about this sales call, um, and being able to um, once you're aware of where you're at, being able to um, respond and plan accordingly. So, you know, if you're really anxious about a sales call, this is a big one. And, I, you know, and then you're checking in with yourself with that curiosity. Well, why am I so anxious? Because I really need this money because, you know, because I really need to close the sale. Um, but uh, but and so and why is it that you're anxious about that? Well, I'm not really prepared. <laughs> I, I don't really see the process clearly, you know, how to get this person to the finish line. So mindfulness allows you to uncover what's real for you. And, and if there are any challenges, any gaps, um, respond to them. So, you know, maybe I need to take a minute to breathe, maybe to settle my, my mind down. Maybe I need to t um, focus my mind on, um, how I want the sales call to go. So I I recommend, I think it's a really powerful tool to see, it's a, it's a visualization, right? How I want this interaction to go and what are the outcomes I want? Because if you don't see it clearly, you're not gonna get your prospect to see it clearly and get on the same page. They're not gonna magically say, hey, why don't I sign this deal on October 15th? If, if, you're, if you're not clear, like, you know, we can get this signed on October 15th and this is how it would look to make that happen. And this is what you what the benefit for you is and maybe even sharing the benefit for yourself, you know? So, so taking that time to really understand um, where you're at and whatever comes up, any fears or any excitement and dig a little bit deeper and have space for that and then um, be able to respond to whatever comes up. Um, another tool I really like to do to prepare for a sales call is gratitude. So taking a moment of gratitude for myself, you know, my skills that I have, I'm, I'm very patient, I'm a good communicator, I'm a good listener. Um, and then being grateful for the visualization of how I want the sales call to go. So as so a, a 
tool in manifesting would be like to visualize it like it's already happened and be grateful for it like it's already happened. So if you are able to get your mindset in that, you know, this, uh, this is the value I bring to this prospect. This is the value of the relationship. And I am so grateful to be in relationship with this person offering these products and services. Um, energetically, there's a shift and it creates an opening that may not have been there if you don't have that clear visualization and gratitude. Yeah. Once again, you're right in line with what I do in both my trainings and my coaching, my sales coaching practice. Uh, first of all, I have to say that if if you're you're thinking what, before you go on a sales call, I really need to close this deal because I need the money. You need to make a shift immediately because uh, I believe that prospects can smell smell need and greed like dogs can smell fear, uh, and, and I call that commission breath. If you go in because you need to close the deal, you really you're, you have a way less likely chance of doing so. The, the come from, and I'm pointing to my belly right now, I believe every salesperson needs to have is service. I'm here to serve you if I can. And we're going to have a conversation that will explore what you need and what I have to offer. And let's see if those come together. Because if not, if it's just I got to make some money, you're not going to close as many deals as you would when you come from is right. And the other thing that I love that you said, and I often get uh, weird looks when I teach this, but I do it again in both my trainings, my live trainings, and my, my online programs, and when I'm coaching people, is visualizing a sales call before it happens. Uh, people often give me a weird look on this, but I literally close my eyes before a sales call. I see myself walking into somebody's office or getting on a Zoom meeting. I see them happy with a big smile on their face. They're happy to see me. We're shaking hands or giving you know high elbows, whatever you do these days. Uh, uh, I, I see us laughing and exchanging information, having a great conversation. And then I visualize them opening their desk drawer, pulling out stacks of hundreds and pushing them across the desk to me. Does that mean I close more business? I think it does. I think I, think I am way more likely to close deals than if I go in with I really need this deal because uh, the mortgage is due or wh whatever it is. Yeah. I think it's just a, a, a better place to come from. And I truly believe it does close more deals. Uh, you know, I, I used to listen to uh, Dr. Dennis Waitley, uh, who was a, I, I believe he had a psych psychology background. He was very active in sales. Uh, I'm going to shorten this. So I, I want to move on to other stuff. But uh, he, he once worked with the U.S. Olympic ski team, uh, I think in the 60s. And they hooked up electrodes to the the bodies of these Olympic skiers and ele the electrodes could measure the electricity that a muscle gives off when it contracts or, or, or expands, you know, when your muscles have electricity. So they met, they had these skiers run down a ski slope five times and they measured when the muscles fired in what order and what intensity. And then these same skiers s still hooked up to these electrodes were taken to a darkened laboratory and laid down on couches. And the uh, uh, instructions were, visualize the ski run that you just did five times. And they found the muscles fired in the same order at the same times at the same intensity as if they were actually skiing, which says there, there is a mind body connection, which makes you more likely to close business, more likely to do anything when you're visualizing it first. Uh, I love that, that. That's a great example, Jeff. And it was very well said. And, um, you know, so if, if, this was something that I grew up with. If you can, uh, you know, conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. So it starts, it really does start in your mind and having that visual, that clear vision of the direction you're heading. You know, if you don't know where you're going, there odds are you're not going to get anywhere. You know, if you know where you're going, um, you already have one step in the right direction. There, There is a book I read, The Slight Edge, and astronauts on the uh, you know going to the moon um they're recalibrating like all the time so 90 percent of the time they are off course but they know where they're going right so they recalibrate they recalibrate uh slight recalibrations right and they get on course and they get to the moon why because they 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 know where they're going they visualize it they have a plan they see it clearly and yeah, there's challenges. Right? There's things that you can't control. The wind is going to blow. There's going to be a storm. There's going to be a, a, a equipment, a technical issue. But they recalibrate. They pivot and they get back on course and they know where they're heading and they see it clearly. And 
to tie it back into what I was saying, adding that little bit of gratitude, like I, I'm getting to the moon and I'm so thankful that I'm going to get to the moon. I'm closing this business because I'm offering this service back to what you said about serving people. I think um, getting to your purpose, you know, so when you're doing that self-awareness and you want to really understand yourself and you're curious, um, what is it that drives you? You know, for me, um, I really love spreading peace. I feel like everything is so chaotic. So bringing that element of peace in and empowering myself to be more peaceful in challenging situations and empowering others to be more peaceful. Um, it's like the greatest gift I can do. I'm leaving the world a much better, sweeter, kinder place if if people are more peaceful and less reactive. So that is, you know, I think understanding your purpose, like you said, the commission breath made me laugh. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't want commission breath. I don't want to close this because I need money. I want to I want to work with you because um, I have a gift to give you. And that shifts everything. Yeah, I'm with you. You mentioned something earlier. Uh, what is dual awareness and, and how do you use dual awareness when you're on a sales call? I dual awareness that is that, so we've talked a lot about, uh, we've actually talked about both pieces of it. Dual awareness would be the awareness that I have, my self-awareness, right? Where I'm at, am I anxious? Is my mind all over the place? Do I need to get grounded? Do I, what do I need to get more centered? What fears do I have? What's real with those fears? What's not, right? Visualizing, so you, you and noticing how that makes you feel to visualize um, the outcome just the way you want it to be and how, how that feels to like wear that, right? Um, and then the other part of dual awareness, so dual awareness myself and dual awareness, the person I'm engaged in a relation, in a conversation with, you know, so you just nodded your head, right? I was present enough, aware enough to see you do that and see the smile turn up on your, on your face, right? And we talked about if you're having the opposite, if somebody's glancing down or at their watch or, um, you know, answering a, a call. I mean, you, we're in sales. You have people doing all kinds of things, right? <laughs> you know, so you, so noticing where they're at, that, that curiosity, like, Hey, I noticed that you did this. And, um, just wanted to, you know, get a read on where we're at or, you know, the, and so the curiosity and then checking in and communicating on it. Like, like if you have a fear that somebody's not listening, I, I like to address it, right? Like I, I, I noticed you looked away. Um, was it something I said or is there something going on, you know, that you need to take care of and creating space for that, say, Say you're in a sales call and they're, they're having an emergency with their kids. Make space for that. Like, I know you can't be fully present right now. So, you know, do you need to take a breath? Do we need to take five and you need to go have a call or get a glass of water? You know, do you, what can I do to support you to be your fullest self so you can be here now and be present? Mm -hmm. So it's my awareness on myself and my awareness on who I'm talking to. I love that. And um, it's so funny how you say something and it triggers something in, in my mind. Uh, the thing about when a prospect isn't listening, my favorite technique for when a prospect isn't listening is to simply stop talking. Silence is an amazing tool. And I can't resist sharing this. And I'm going to make this. I usually tell it as a long story very quick. So I managed to get a meeting with the president of Time Warner Cable of New York City. Uh, People told me there's no way I'm going to get in front of him. But anyways, I got the appointment. And when I showed up, uh, two of his underlings came out to meet me first, his marketing director. And I forgot who the other guy was. And I'm not going to mention the guy's name. He's not the president anymore. But uh, they said, uh, we'll call him Bob. Uh, uh, just want you to know that Bob's one of the most intelligent people you've ever met in your entire life. And he's a multitasker. He'll be on his phone the whole time you're talking. But I promise he'll be listening to you. And I simply said, he will not be on his phone the whole time I'm talking. I guarantee it. And they were like, how are you going to do that? I said, watch. So we get into this meeting. It's, you know, Bob's on one side of the table. His two underlings are on the other side. And I'm actually at the head of the table. And I'm talking for about 20 seconds. And sure enough, Bob pulls out his phone and he's on his phone. I simply did this. 
And it took about 15 seconds before he, lo he looked up and I said, you good? He goes, yep. And he put his phone down. He did it again later, did the same exact thing. And it was all, I could almost see the two guys on the other side of the table going, oh, I can't believe this is happening. But you know, if you can't engage with the person, if, if they're not listening, you said it before, your brain can only focus on one thing at any given nanosecond. So if you're paying attention to your phone, you can't possibly be listening to me in the same way and engaging in a conversation, certainly. I don't care how intelligent you are, as if you're actually paying attention and being in the being here now. So I, I love that. And um, you pay a price for that, Jeff. So if you are multitasking, people like take pride in that. Like I can multitask. So people in job interviews like think that that's a skill that you want to highlight. Um, I'm not a good multitasker. I'm really good at being 100% fully engaged and then moving on. And the science behind that is you do everything more effectively and it is so much more soothing for your nervous system. It takes a lot of mental energy to do two things at once or to jump from one thing to the next. So those time blocks where you're, you're setting boundaries around, I'm going to be prospecting here. I'm going to be doing my emails here. If you're jumping from your email to your, you know, a Zoom meeting and then back to your email, um, it takes a lot of mental energy and it, that's a big factor that leaves people depleted and burnt out. It's mentally exhausting because your brain is constantly switching back and forth between I'm driving and I'm talking on the phone. And, and more than, look, I do it. I'm, I'm not, you know, it's hands. We all do it. But, but I've driven past the exit on the expressway more than once of a place I've been to a million times because I'm engaged in the conversation. You just can't do it. It's uh, a fabulous example because we're all guilty. Yeah. John Hill says he's really enjoying listening to Lanny. Me too. And someone, oh, it's Bruce. Bruce says, uh, what do you do if the, oh, so Bruce sells financial services. I happen to know Bruce. Uh, and what do you do if the husband is listening, but the wife won't, and she is the decision maker? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I like, to Jeff's point, taking that pause and setting, you know, giving some space to see what, um, how you can get that, that decision maker's engagement. And even, um, I'm gonna have to think about this one. It's a really, it's a, it's a really tough one because you need the decision maker engaged. Um, I would say, go to your probing questions to get them engaged, you know, back to like sales 101 um, and mindfulness 101, that curiosity, like, what is it to, to, to have you engaged in this process? What, what, what's important to you? What are your needs? And just opening up that conversation to get and putting the awareness on the decision maker and shifting the focus to the decision maker should help the process. Yeah, I like that. And uh, certainly I would, Bruce, I would go with silence, stop talking and see if she, the decision maker here pays attention. And if not, I'd simply call it out. Say, hey, I noticed that you seem to be distracted. Is there a better time? Is this not a good time to talk? Or, or uh, you know, maybe we should reschedule. Because if, if people aren't listening, they can't possibly uh, choose to do business with you. So uh, I'm a big fan of not wasting anybody's time. If people aren't going to, uh, going to listen, especially if they are the acknowledged decision maker, you're wasting your time and you're beating your head against the wall. Um, you mentioned something earlier that I want to bring up. I, I recently suggested to one of my coaching clients that she start uh, a gratitude journal. She was struggling and uh, we went through a lot of things, but one of the things I suggest is a gratitude journal. So why is gratitude so important? And what is a, a gratitude salutation? Gratitude's the most uh, researched practice and the most beneficial practice. Um, I call it putting your gratitude glasses on. When you start a gratitude practice, you have to actually look for things you're grateful for, right? Like, like if you start a gratitude practice and you're like, well, yeah, everything is awful and I there's nothing to be grateful for. Well, then you're not into your gratitude practice, right? So when you start a gratitude practice, it's that awareness. I'm going to be looking. So you got to put your gratitude glasses on. I'm going to be looking for things that I'm grateful for. And once you start looking for things you're grateful for, they pop up all the time. And then it becomes like a gratitude parade, I call it. 
right? You put your glasses on and wow, I'm grateful for um, this conversation and I'm grateful for your smile and I'm grateful for the sunshine and I'm grateful for, you know, my, I mean, once you focus on gratitude, it um, becomes a, a practice that starts to flow as is anything, you know, your mindset on working out. Oh, once you do it, you feel great. Once you're practicing gratitude, it flows and you, you have a grateful heart and head and you are looking for gratitude you know in even the challenges so it, to start a gratitude practice i would say you know focus on things that really bring you joy and happiness that's an easy place to start um and then let that start to flow and then once you become more skilled at that um have a gratitude practice around challenges like when something is really challenging for you, what, where's the gratitude in that? Well, it um, challenges me to be, I'm grateful that I can be a more patient, engaged listener, right? Um, if if our, our political or our environmental crisis, right? How can I be grateful for them? Well, I, I trust humankind, I trust mankind, and um, there is going to be a problem solver who, who's going to get on this. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for having challenges that force us to grow, right? I'm grateful that if you can look at any uh, a person that maybe you're like, mm, I don't like so much, right? Energetically, you're not jiving with them or they don't listen well or they're multitasking every relationship, every interaction you have with them. Well, if you start with gratitude, like I'm, I'm, really grateful because this person is going to help me to be a better me. I'm going to get to work really hard at uncovering how to get this person engaged and peaceful. And that's going to be a, a challenge and a good job for me. And I'm grateful. I'm up for it. So it's a slight mindset set shift, um, having gratitude for the challenges, but it is really a fun practice for me. Yeah. Um, I find it very rewarding and very beneficial. Yeah. And I've, I've found there's always, always something to be great, something or things to be grateful for. When I made the suggestion to this uh, new coaching client, uh, she goes, Jeff, I'm going broke. That's, that's why I'm talking to you. I, I've got nothing to be grateful for. And I said, well, what about the fact that you're the owner of your company has paid me to give you coaching? She goes, oh yeah, I'm pretty grateful for that. I'm, and I said, you know, we're, we're on Zoom and I'm like, how about that gorgeous dog that's laying on the couch behind you? She goes, I love my dog. I'm like, right, you're grateful that your dog's in your life. Like you said, the floodgates started opening. She goes, well, I do have a house, a, a, a roof over my head and I eat. I mean, there, there's a, I'm grateful for my ex-wife. Now people, when I say that, they're like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, without my ex-wife, I wouldn't have my three kids. She happens to be a great mom and a great partner in raising our kids. I don't want to live with her and she doesn't want to live with me, but I'm grateful that she exists. There's Beautiful. a million things to be grateful for. And yeah. I can be pissed off and, and upset and uh, uh, angry about a, the, a million and one things, but there's a million and one more things to be grateful for. And it's a much higher space. It's a, a better come from as far as I'm concerned. And, and the gratitude will set the tone. So it's a really great practice to do um, to start your day or to end your day or before a sales call, like we talked about. If you wake up and the first thing you think about is I, I'm grateful that I woke up in a bed, right? That I have a cover and a pillow and a, that my, I woke up, I'm breathing. I'm, you know, in my house, I have a roof over my head or maybe you're camping, you're out in nature, whatever it is. If you train your mind to be grateful, it sets your entire day on a different trajectory than if you wake up like, oh, this hurts and I got to do this, right? Just being grateful to, to awaken and have the, a new day before you. I'm grateful for every day that I wake up before my dog so that he doesn't wake me up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that often? Uh, these days, he's getting a little older, so... These days, mostly I wake up first and I've got to convince him to get out of bed and go for a W-A-L-K. I would have said the word out loud, but he's sleeping behind me. And if I said it, he would have jumped up and thought it was time, which it's not quite yet. Uh, I want to get to another topic before we run out of time, and that's choice. I believe that happiness, I believe every emotion is a choice. And personally, I choose to be happy almost all the time. That said, we, we all, I'm assuming we all, at least most of us, experience what you call heavy emotions from time to time. And 
many people try to avoid these heavy emotions, often using drugs or alcohol to, to keep themselves from experiencing them. So what should we do when we find ourselves experiencing these heavy emotions like sadness, anger, fear, things like that? Um, I'm a huge advocate, feel what you're feeling. In my younger days, I had more of a like positive mindset. And as I've matured um, and I've grown up with these practices, um, feel what you're feeling. And, and I've experienced some trauma, you know, and you, you can't just like push trauma away or push really heavy, big feelings away right? Grief. You, you have to feel it. There's no way um, through it except through it. You know, you have to feel it to be able to clear it and release it. So you, and I think knowing when you practice mindfulness, you, you realize that no thought lasts forever, right? Like, and no emotion lasts forever, right? Everything has an ebb and flow to it. Like I'm very joyous right now or very grateful right now. And then I'm, you know, very heavy and, and feeling that challenged. So being able to feel your feelings, um, if you avoid like anxiety is something that I speak on a lot and with all of the pressures that people are under and, if you push anxiety away, it's like a short-term solution, right? But it's a long-term uh, problem if you push it away. It gets bigger. It grows. So when you address these heavy emotions um, and you're honest with yourself, like I'm having this heavy emotion and like caring for yourself like that best friend. So going full circle, like what is it that I need right now? I, I need a hug. We, we can give ourselves a hug, you know, put your hands on your heart and <sighs> I need a minute, right? You can ask a, a, somebody for a hug um, or a minute or a glass of water or a walk or a moment in nature, right? You can give yourself what you need. Um, there's a lot of practices we do in mindfulness to help move heavy emotions, but you can't move them until you are with them. So you have to, you have to sit with it, you know, and this, is, and it doesn't have to be a long drawn out process. I mean, it could, I can move emotions very quickly. Like I could like get boom, really heavy news. Whew, and I, I'm going to move it. I'm going to take, I'm going to feel what I'm feeling. Whoa. I can feel my stomach tighten. I feel my heart racing. And then I'm going to take some deep breaths and then I might go for a run to clear it out of my body, right? You might go for a swim. Um, I'm a very physical person. So for me, dancing, drumming, um, biking, I, it, like, I'm also a very visual person. So sitting in front of the lake, for me, it's gonna move those emotions. They're not going to be as big once I've acknowledged them and looked at them and uncovered um, the truth about them, then they can, then you're set free. There's another expression, I think, from Ram Dass, the truth will set you free. Yep, love that. And Bruce says he's really grateful that he spends his Friday morning listening to the MI guests. I thank you, John. I'm grateful that you're, you're here with us. Um, wow, so we've got only two minutes left, and I've got a question that I think is going to take you 20 minutes to answer. So uh, I'm going to give it to you anyways for, uh, in case you can just give us a quick answer. I started doing transcendental meditation my first year of college, which was many, many years ago. What, what are some of the benefits of meditation and how should we be doing it? Can you do that in two minutes? <laughs> well, yeah, meditation um, brings you into the present moment. You, you become an observer of your thoughts, of your breath, of your body, and you realize that you are not your thoughts and your breath and your body. You're, 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 it, it is the fastest way to freedom from the, the uh, tr mind, mind trap. How's that for a 30 second why meditation is, is very powerful. That was brings perfect. you into the present moment. I think and we it's may a practice. So you, you you know, you may not reap all of the benefits from uh one session, but stick with it and you will have a richer relationship with yourself and with everyone else you encounter. And there are a million studies that show a, an amazing array of benefits from meditation. Uh I, I urge anybody who has not tried it to give it a shot whether you're doing transcendental or anything else. I, I don't do that practice anymore. But uh, uh, Lainey, we have run out of time and I'm gonna share my screen. Would you please tell people how to 
contact you if they're interested in working with you or any of the programs that you offer? Yes, my um, website is the best way to uh, reach me. So it's A-Z, it's the hyphen sign, um, A-ZMindfulness.com. And um, there's a contact me. So you can contact me through my website. You can use my email, Lainey at a-zmindfulness.com. My phone number is on the screen. Um, So those are the best ways to reach me. I do um, individual coaching, um, virtual and in-person. I do group coaching, virtual and in-person. And um, I look forward to continuing these conversations and being able to best serve people to um, connect with their highest self and be more peaceful and more present. And Lainey, uh, the people who are watching us live can see the screen, but this will be converted to a podcast. For those who are only going to be listening, would you like to give your phone number? Oh, sure. 312-859-7192. Give Lainey, me a call. Lainey, would, love to hear, would love to hear from you. Lainey, thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with us generously. I hope you'll come back and we can talk more about meditation and the other things that'll help us be better human beings and better salespeople. And I will end as I always do. Please remember, guys, that sales is a game of making things happen. So get out there, make sales happen. Have a great weekend, everybody. Have a great weekend, Lainey. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Bye, Jeff.